The Bucks escaped at Madison Square Garden, but halfway through the third quarter, it was not looking good. And all the problems that we've been talking about with this team over the past few weeks will once again come into the surface. We got some great play from Joe Ingles in the third quarter into the fourth. Drew Holiday, who couldn't hit a shot all day, hit a series of big shots late in the fourth quarter. And for a Bucks team that really actually just needs a win, uh, they were able to escape and get the W against the Knicks for the second close win at Madison Square Garden this season. Let's talk about it, Frank. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Monday to Friday and find my work over at ESPN as well alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we thank you all for making Lockdown Bucks your first watch, your first listen of every single weekday. We really appreciate it. I said yesterday, over 5K subs on YouTube. You didn't get to celebrate with me, Frank, but I can see how excited you are. You are fired up. And there's been some vibrant discussion in the YouTube comments, as you would expect, Frank, over the last week or so. And I got to tell you, Halfway through the third quarter, I was sitting back on my couch thinking to myself, I don't know what we're going to talk about tonight because this is not looking good. It looks like the Bucks are about to get blown away again. The turnovers were again a problem. They could not find a way to score. And then, in reality, it was Joe Ingles that sparked this team. And I said to you before we started this uh, podcast, you were in the building when a similar thing happened against Minnesota. They were down double digits and he was able to uh, juice up the offense, get things going, run some pick and roll. Uh, what did you see that turned this game? And and I guess how were you feeling at that point in the third quarter? Because we've seen some not great basketball over the last couple of weeks, but this one looked like it was going down a dark path. Yeah, I, I don't tweet a lot during games just because I'm kind of, I just try to watch the games and not not get too uh, sucked into Twitter. But um, I I almost like just tweeted something about just like basically the Bucks don't have any juice right now. Like they didn't have any yeah. juice in this game and it's just felt like there've been a lot of games lately where it's just, you know, the offense, obviously, you know, the, those struggles have been well-documented um, and even the defense has been, you know, certainly much shakier over the past month than, than it was at the start of the year when they were, you know, the best by a country mile in terms of defensive rating. And I think, you know, the, they actually, the, the interesting thing in the first quarter, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but, I was, I was encouraged, even though they were, once again, kind of like not as extreme as Toronto, but kind of like Toronto, they were not taking advantage of the Knicks shooting struggles. Knicks, you know, really had a hard time in the early going. It was, you know, kind of fitting for the night. It was sort of Brunson or bust uh, in that first quarter. But they were not getting hit, hurt on the defensive boards or on the offensive boards by the Knicks. So the Knicks were not getting second chances, at least. Bucks were just shooting that poorly. Um, but then I think, you know, as the game wore on the turnover differential, once again, just, just sloppy. I mean, it, like they had, they had another two turnovers in the backcourt in this game. One of them, Pat Compton got a rebound and like tried to shovel it quick to Drew Holiday and shovels it right to a Knicks guy. Another one, Bobby Portis, I think it was, tries to throw a little quick, little, uh, kind of inbound pass 
oh, I forget who it was. It was Drew or somebody was like kind of running down the court a little bit. Bobby throws a bad inbound pass. And I think that one may have resulted in a three, a corner three. Um, but just like, they're just like backbreakers. And the problem is you, know, you think back to, especially the Atlanta series, but, but I think both the Atlanta series and the Phoenix series in the finals run, they manufactured more possessions than their opponents, like just consistently night to night. And the offensive rebounding was a big part of that, but ball security and, and forcing, you know, not like they've ever been a great turnover forcing team, but they forced more turnovers than they committed themselves. And it just feels like so often, especially when Drew was out and you had, you know, and George Hill was out, you know, like literally Javon Carter and Giannis is the only guys that are a little basketball um, and, and Joe Ingles. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, all right, well, I guess we're just going to turn the ball over a crap load because nobody can dribble or pass. It's like, you know, that's kind of a little bit the reality. But they also like, I mean, like tonight, what did the, what did the Knicks end up with in terms of turnovers? I mean, they had uh, like under 10, right? They had seven turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, when you're just at this huge deficit in terms of turnovers, the Bucks had 14. So it's not like the Bucks had like a crazy turnover number, but you're minus seven in terms of possessions just from the turnover differential. And then... The, the offense rebounding is a little bit um, a little bit uh, misleading if you just look at the box score. The Knicks had 18 offensive rebounds. Bucks had 12, but they basically had the exact same offensive rebound rate looking at cleaning glass. Both teams at 33% offensive rebound rate, which is really good. It's like 80th percentile. Um, but the Knicks just missed so many shots that basically they had a bunch more opportunities. So again, those raw offensive rebound numbers were worse, but it did feel like, especially when that league got out of hand, it just felt like, man, just bucks getting beaten to the offensive boards. And, you know, we saw last game, I mean, Mitchell was just an absolute ton in the last game. Sorry, Mitchell Robinson was just an absolute ton in the last game at 20 rebounds and 11 offensive by himself <laughs> tonight. He only had three offensive rebounds, eight rebounds total in 37 minutes. So it wasn't necessarily him. But it was just kind of a gang tackling on the offensive glass. Julius Randall had seven. I don't know if he was nine out of 29, including one for 12 from three. I felt like all of his baskets uh, seemingly came out of, on tip-ins. Um, so, you know, which... Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a really kind of like, just kind of grinding you down as like a viewer, like to be losing in this way and just watching this game slip away and just brick after brick from three, they start the game eight for 30 from three. And you're just seeing a thing like, okay, at least in that Minnesota game that I went to, like Giannis was just like unstoppable, like hmm. just got to touch the elbow and he was at the rim in, you know, one dribble and he was just kind of carrying the box in this game. It was obviously a very different story because he just didn't really get ever get going in that first half. He only took, I think, four shots, I think, in the first half, two of them were threes. Uh, so the Knicks, you know, defended him well. And you know, even with two off days, um, neither Giannis nor the Bucks in general seemed like, again, they had like the extra kind of energized spring in their step. But as you said, just, you know, um, just some stuff started bouncing their way a little bit in, in the middle of the third quarter, late third quarter. And then they just go on this three point binge. I think in the Minnesota game, this, this is where it was very similar. I think the Bucks hit like 11 or 12 out of 19 to close that game from three. This game, they close, I think, 11 of 19 from three, um, go 19 of 49 overall for the game. Obviously, you'll take those numbers any day of the week. So, um, you know, again, it's like I, I, I think we're all a little frustrated just sitting around saying like, ah, just wait for the three-pointers to start falling because it's like, eh, they haven't been falling that well all year long at this point. Um, but, 
you know, credit to the Bucs. Um, you know, they end up this game with a 118 offensive rating. We've obviously talked all year about the Bucks' offensive struggles and just not having that offensive juice that we've been expecting. And even with Giannis, you know, not very impactful, 6 of 15, 22 points, um, nothing to write home about, certainly offensively from him. Uh, and Drew, as you said, I mean, what Drew had, I think, 10 points in the last three minutes or something like that. I, I hadn't even really noticed him for most of the game. He had the early three, then he gets three fouls, mainly because Jalen Brunson just kind of conned him into a, a couple cheapies. And uh, and then he was kind of as well. I mean, that was the other big part of the problem. It's like when neither Giannis nor Drew is really creating buckets from nothing, then this offense is going to look bad. But unfortunately, the three-pointers three, point, three pointers started falling. And um, obviously, from an execution standpoint, yes, ball moved much better. Uh, but then it's just, you know, make or miss league stuff. And, you know, good, big credit to Joe Ingles, much like that Minnesota game, just really came off the bench and gave them a, a big shot in the arm in the third quarter. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was um, in a message with messaging with some some folks and uh, Alex Goodkin, who's a uh, friend of the pod. I think he made a comment that, you know, like Chris has been out so long that, you know, you see like a six, eight guy who can actually like run a pick and roll and pass a little this revelation <laughs> so you know it's just something that the bucks can get with with joe just to kind of grease grease the the uh clunky offense right just run a pick and roll we saw you had that nice little scoop lob for Giannis for a dunk in the fourth quarter and um you know again it's not like he's gonna put a ton of pressure on the rim himself but just bend the defense a little bit and then you you know trust him to to make the right read make the right pass and fortunately late third quarter through the fourth quarter shots started falling and I hesitate to call this like a great win because they were so bad for two and a half quarters, but it was a very needed win. Let's say that. I think we could all agree on that just because again, third quarter, man, no juice, bad vibes. Um, yeah. That would not have been a, a fun locker room uh, coming off of that Charlotte game to, to, to respond to that game with another lackadaisical loss would have been not great, but again, credit to the bucks. They've had, some some of these comeback wins lately. Minnesota was a comeback win. This one down seventeen in the third. I don't I don't know. Let's be honest. How many people thought they were going to come back and win that game? Probably not many of us. But they just kept working at it, working at it, and complained a lot about the role players. But tonight, obviously, a lot of the role players stepped up as well. Yeah, I, I would like a win that we get to sit back and go. Gee, that was four quarters of good basketball. Like all the wins, like in the last few weeks, you go through stretches where you're like, geez, I'm actually very, very concerned about what I saw. But you pull out the win and you're more just relieved that you got the W because they've been in this rut over the last stretch. So hopefully. Or Toronto, uh, which which could have been a really nice win if they just well, slammed the door right. on them and instead, like, nearly disaster, right? So it's true. But even like Toronto... the Bill Parkane, we're going to go coconut almond. I'm going to, I'm going to mute myself while I'm like chomping away on this. But, um, but we're, we're going to crack open a celebratory bill bar for this while, while you make your point. I'm going to be over here chewing, hopefully not too loudly. Well, we'll get to bill bar in a little bit. But while, while you reminded me, let's talk about Price Picks, our fantastic sponsor of the podcast. And uh, if you're not aware how Price Picks works, uh, you pick two to six players. And if they go on to score more or less than their Price Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. Uh, this is points, rebounds, assists, all those types of things. So if you took the over on Joe Ingles, I'm going to go ahead and guess tonight that you're feeling pretty happy about your decision that's just a guess i didn't actually see what it was but go to prizepicks.com and you can find out uh, you don't have to compete against other people it's just you versus the projections that are available and uh there's other sports as well nfl postseason getting going here uh, maybe not that interesting to most of our listeners but there's other sports 
their NHL, college sports, all those types of things. So you can get involved there. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy and currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100 bucks, you'll get 100 bucks. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Uh, that's prizepix.com. A couple of things I was thinking about as you were sort of breaking it all down there, Frank. And I, I did see this tweet from Nate Duncan and he was doing, you know, an alternate uh, broadcast on League Pass today, what whatever it was. And he said, uh, or he tweeted that they had the NBA head of stats that joined them. And he said, the Bucks had four backcourt turnovers in the first half. Four, which is an absolutely absurd number. That matches the high for any team for an entire game this season. Now, it's interesting because we had a little bit of this and we were talking about the turnovers over the last sort of nine, ten game stretch. The Bucks have been the worst in the league. And I got a few comments in the YouTube saying, uh, yeah, that's why Bud needs to go. And I said, look, I'm genuinely curious. Like, And tell me your reasoning because I'm... I always wanted to know what people thought. Like, how can Bud be blamed for guys not being able to inbound the ball? How can he be blamed for just, like, some of the most ridiculous turnovers you've ever seen? And there were some decent answers that came back. But I saw it again tonight. Like, some of these turnovers were just absurd. Like, it didn't even make sense what they were looking at. And it came down again to, I think, what you were talking about. It looked like there was no energy. It looked like they weren't that invested in playing this game of basketball. But then you see, and we've seen this from time to time in stretches, where the Bucks do get a sense for it, they start to have a few threes knocked down. All of a sudden, the defense is locked in. They're engaged. They're, they're not turning the ball over because they had the 14 turnovers total, but 12 of those came in the first half. So they clean things up. They clean things up in the second half. So they are capable. A lot of them just seem lazy to me. Another thing that was interesting was they had an out-of-bounds play, and we remember in the game against Toronto, I think it was Pat Connaughton who had the ball out. He took a five-second violation and didn't call the timeout. Now, they had Joe Ingles take the out-of-bounds play today. And look, he probably took the 4.8, 4.9 seconds before he called the timeout. But even just basic stuff like that. Like, Joe is a pretty smart basketball player, and when you watch him just make simple plays, you're like, geez, it does concern me about some of the other stuff that goes on. Like, if you have a timeout, you can't just stand there and take a five-second violation. So I was thankful that Joe did that. I was also thankful the Bucks run ran a different play on the inbounds play out of the timeout that was called there. But we saw, and I tweeted about it, I said, I think there's a little bit of a concern for me. Like, like the way Joe Ingles played tonight, I think he brings something different to the table. But at the same time, he had to play 30 minutes tonight. I don't think you want to do that every regular season game. And it's a little bit concerning how badly the Bucks needed him to run offense. Like there were stretches down in the final few minutes of this game where Giannis had the ball and like Brooke Lopez would come to set a screen for him and Giannis would be like, get out of the way, Brooke. Joe, come here. I'm giving you the ball. Let's play pick and roll. And then Joe Ingles throws him a lob. Like it is a little concerning how desperately they need his smarts and ability to run an offense. Yeah, but I mean, the, the whole reason they signed him was because for that, yeah. The, you know, John Horst and Mike Budenholzer and everybody else at Bucks HQ had to watch that slog against the Celtics without Chris. And so, I mean, you know, again, like I think we all, we all agree. Like, I mean, if you don't have the big three, like you're not winning a championship. So, you know, I think the, 
to the extent that he is Chris insurance, it is insurance for times like this right now where you don't have Chris during the regular season and you're just trying to like, you know, scrap out wins night to night and make sure you have enough creation and passing on the floor. And, um, you know, <clears throat> it's been, it's still been a little bit of a mixed bag. Like he's had, I think he's still trying to find a little bit of his rhythm as a passer. He's had, you know, some bad turnover games. Um, but to see him be able to come in and, and have some of these games now where he knocks down a, a bunch of threes and uh, you know, I mean like a, one or two of those was like off the dribble threes too. It's not like he's just teeing up like wide open corner threes here. Like he's, you know, he's, he's making plays and, and doing things that, um, you know, are putting pressure on the defense and, and bailing the bucks out at times when obviously too often they, <laughs> they have needed a bailout and they have not found it. So um, I, I think, I, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, again, he's giving them kind of what they need now. And I don't think obviously we can expect him to you know, go whatever five for 11 from three night in and night out. But honestly, like at this point, if he has, you know, one of those games a week, which I guess he's done it now two weeks in a row, sort of, <laughs> he's had like one of those, um, that's probably, that's probably enough. And then on those other nights, you know, if you can just kind of keep his head down, make plays, you know, don't, don't go like eight, oh for seven from the three point line or something like that. I mean, I think Joe has you know a pretty good sense of of when he should be shooting and when he shouldn't. Tonight was one of those days where I think you know he felt he had the hot hand and and maybe again start got a couple of heat checks up and and even hit one of them. So um, so yeah, I mean again like is that something that is going to be you know viable in crunch time of uh, you know a hard fought playoff series against a team like the Celtics or whatever? maybe not, but I don't think we're looking at Joe Ingles and saying like, he's got to be the one with the ball in his hands in late game situations when the bucks are healthy. And again, I'm going to continue to base everything off the, the concept of, of Chris eventually coming back healthy. And, you know, again, I think there's been at least some indication that maybe that comes when they're in Miami, he's on the trip. Um, I know I'm wearing the wrong colors. Th points out, I've got this, a like, damn Knicks top on. Reddish. This you is like that, red. You, this you, is like red. You this put, this that, you put like that T-shirt orange. on halfway through the third quarter. I know it. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a uh, got a lot of old Knicks gear in my closet. I need to find a <laughs> to find a, a a use for it. Um, but yeah. Anyway, but but really, just nice to see that. And then you know, I think you kind of look up and down the you know the list of of contributors. I mean, Pat Connaughton starts again. 11 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, um, just one turnover in 31 minutes. And man, the rebound, Pat was getting up on those rebounds too. Like <laughs> he had the most defensive rebounds on the Bucks, and he was getting up and and that's what you need. I mean, I think that's what they did well early in the game. They were kind of gang tackling the glass with, with Mitchell in particular and what he can do. And honestly, because so many of those early misses were Julius Randle threes, you didn't have Julius Randle crashing the glass, right? He had seven offensive rebounds, but he's not probably getting an offensive rebound when he's chucking up a three-pointer. And so, you know, I think credit to Julius Randle, he stopped doing that, started hitting the glass, and that's when it really started to cause the Bucks some problems. But shout out to Pat, solid night for Pat. And, you know, Grayson Allen, 11 points on six shots, minus 11, okay? You know, maybe not like a world-beater night from Grayson Allen, but uh, but he also hit a couple of threes in the second half that, that were pretty important, including I think it was one in the fourth quarter when the teams were kind of going back and forth and kind of punch, punching and counter punching um, one another. So 
uh, again, you got at least some contribution. I mean, to get double digits from both of your starting, you know, wings, Pat and, and Grayson, I think we'd all take that at this point. Um, and then I think the other shout out, you know, goes to, um, I'll get to Brooke Lopez in a minute, but uh, I think credit to Marjan Bochamp as well. You know, he was part of that group in the third quarter that, uh, you know, was out there with, with Joe Ingles. He hit uh, a big three that kind of helped cut that lead to five going into the fourth quarter. And it felt like, you know, it was remarkable how quickly that, that, you know, the kind of script was flipped at the end of the third quarter there. And, and again, Ingles was kind of the, the conductor of a lot of what they were doing offensively, but, you know, Marjan finishes tonight, just 11 minutes. I think, you know, again, we talk about like Ingles, like you don't want to have to play him 28 minutes most nights, but um, you know, Hey, let's give Marjan Bochamp, you know, a little bit more run. Um, he makes some mistakes for sure. I mean, he gave up, you know, a three, couple of three point plays. And I think some of it's cause he's a rookie and just doesn't get, <laughs> doesn't get any calls. Uh, but overall, you know, it goes two out of four from deep eight points. Um, pretty awesome follow up, follow dunk. I think it was a Drew Holiday miss in the first half, which again, was just kind of a reminder that, you know, Marjan does stuff that like no, none of the other, like, you know, reserve, uh, guys can do um you know just the athleticism um it, it's kind of like he's not like a just complete nuclear athlete um but he flashes certainly like that plus athleticism at times and again i think part of his sort of journey and evolution is going to be figuring out like how he you know kind of more consistently harnesses that and, and uses that on both ends but that was um you know a fun little introduction for his first basket at MSG and then to knock down a couple of threes. I think he, you know, airmailed one or two <laughs> as well, but, um, you know, kept his wits about him. And I think that's, that's the thing that, you know, one of the things that about Marjan that um, is encouraging, it's like, okay, he's not, you know, shooting the lights out from three, but, you know, over the last month or so, he's got into that kind of like low to mid thirties sort of area in terms of shooting. And it seems like he, you know, again, he'll have games where he doesn't shoot well, um, but then he, he kind of bounces back and, and he doesn't, you know, he hasn't stayed in like kind of a prolonged rut, which is obviously really important when you're a young guy trying to fight and scrap for minutes. And, um, you know, I think again, season's so long, you know I mean? We're not, we're not, um, we're almost at the midway mark now. Um, and I think clearly we thought the first part of the season was going to be his big chance to impress with Chris and Joe out. Um, we're still waiting for Chris to come back. Uh, hopefully that happens in Miami in one of the two games there. But, uh, you know, again, I think you have to generally be pretty pleased that that Marjan has has shown that he can knock down some threes. I think he's starting. You know, we talked, I think, on one of the pods last week about sort of him learning from Giannis, maybe using that shoulder to, to get to spots that he wants, driving um, and getting, getting to the basket. And, uh, I mean, even in, I think it was in the blowout Wizards loss, I think he had a couple like dribble up into like mid-range shots, which are not really shots that kind of any of the Bucks wings really take for better or worse. So we'll see. He still kind of feels like more of that kind of malleable unformed clay to some extent, right? Like not fully kind of, you know, he's not always where he needs to be offensively or defensively makes mistakes, gets a bad whistle, but I think you're, you know, night to night, I think you're seeing a lot of positive play from him tonight. He's a plus five. And like we said, was part of that really nice run that they had uh, to to get back in the game. And, and again, I think, um, you know, for him to be where he is right now, first half of the season to have established himself as a guy that can play and contribute, um, 
you know, hope is that he continues to get minutes from Bud and they manufacture something even when Chris comes back. That's going to be the hard part, right, is, is finding him any minutes when when Chris comes back because he's sort of the obvious guy to, to kind of get squeezed out. But um, but we'll see, right? We'll see what happens with trades. You know, if you have like a two-for-one trade or something like that, um, that doesn't involve like Jordan Warren and George Hill <laughs> since those guys aren't playing. Um then that that obviously could be a plus thing for Marjon, but but I don't know. I'm I'm you know the fact that he's still playing, even if it's not as much as we might like, um, you know, I think uh it's it's generally been a real positive thing. Cause even when he does struggle a little bit, you know, at least you can kind of talk yourself into like, well, you know, you're kind of feeding the algorithm of, you know, a young player who's sort of figuring out like what works, what doesn't, you know, the, what kind of things you can do and, and how you do them at the NBA level. So um so fortunately, the fact that you know, we've been able to get him minutes and it's not just charity, um, that's been important because certainly if it was charity, if it felt like they were just playing him to get him minutes, then those kind of guys are going to get squeezed certainly pretty quick in the second half of the season and, and certainly in the playoffs. But we'll see. We'll see kind of what what comes of it. But, you know, again, just uh, it's kind of, kind, of, kind of nice, Kane, huh? Rookies, rookies that can actually like sort of do some stuff on a basketball court. That's a novel, novel thing for certainly the time that that I've podcasted on lock on bucks <laughs> basically malcolm brogdon playoff on maker uh you know a month of dj wilson and uh you know some nice some nice spells from dante Divincenzo over two three years but uh hopefully marjan bochamp can can be the i don't i'm not gonna say he's gonna be as good as brogdon ended up being but um hopefully he's gonna be a guy that that around is around a long time and and finds out how to be a contributor Hey, 11 minutes, as you pointed to, 8 points, 5 rebounds. You take that, couple threes, and he actually airballed the three. And then the next one from the exact same spot was able to knock it down, which I just thought was cool. It's cool composure yeah. to be able to do that uh, and knock down that three. And uh, speaking of Marjan Bochamp, if you think that he's a late uh, runner for Rookie of the Year, go to betonline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and don't, analysis. Don't bet that. Don't bet that specific one. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> get the latest odds. I don't think you'll be able to get odds for him, actually. But uh, you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season. Well, that's done. Forget college bowl season. It's done. But you got the NFL playoffs. Uh, and actually... The Basketball World Cup is coming up this year as well, so you might be able to find some stuff there. And uh, if you think Australia can win gold like me, then check it out at betonline.net. Uh, sports podcasts, you can find them at BetOnline as well. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. And then uh, don't forget our friends over at TurboTax, because if you go to TurboTax, you don't have to do your taxes. You can meet an expert who do them for you. Turbo tax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you uh, don't have to do it, which uh, I personally like. Show your eyes to things that are not taxes. The last thing you want to be doing is tax. I was listening to Tass Malice on the No Dunks podcast and apparently he's a real tax sicko. He likes doing his taxes, but I don't. So go to TurboTax and then you can do things that are more interesting to you than doing your taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste, not taxes. Sing, not taxes. Come to TurboTax and do your and not do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes is required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. I've, I've been a TurboTax person forever, so I oh. will 100% vouch for TurboTax. I can't. I can't imagine having to do my taxes someplace else. So, shout out to the good people at Intuit TurboTax.
the one thing, a couple of funny things that happened from the broadcast today. So I'll watch the first half on the Knicks broadcast because, again, this I was on delay. Anyway, whatever. People have heard the story. I had to watch the road broadcast, which, by the way, if you're watching the road broadcast and you get Clyde and Mike Breen, uh, you're doing pretty well. It's a pretty fun broadcast. And you said that uh, Marjan Bochamp does some things that we've discussed the idea that he knows where Giannis is and he knows how to feed the superstar on the team. And at one point in time, Bochamp went up for a rebound and Mike Breen was like, Giannis can't get the rebound. And I was thinking to myself, that's funny that they mixed him up. But they were both wearing red shoes. They both had the white tights under their shorts. They both had the shooting sleeve and they got very similar haircuts. Now, he's a little bit smaller. That is the one thing that I would say is the case. But Marshall Bochamp is even copying the look of Giannis. So this is a very smart man. He knows where his bread is going to be buttered. So I absolutely love it. And then in the second half, I was watching the Bucks broadcast and I don't think it was intentional, but it was just a funny little camera moment. I don't know if you caught this. The Bucks were getting smoked at this point in time. And Lisa's like, gee, is there anyone on the Bucks bench that they could potentially bring on to the game? And the, the camera was, it had um, one player that's a rotation player, Jordan War on one side, AJ Green on the other. And uh, Lisa was like, is there anyone right there that they could bring on? And the camera started like panning onto Jordan Wara. And then Lisa goes, AJ Green's played well lately. Then the camera quickly like shifted to AJ Green. And it's like, I don't know if it was purpose, but it was like the cameraman just assumed it was Jordan Wara, but no, it was the swerve and it was AJ Green. But it does bring me, we talk about rookies, we talk about the draft and we had the comment in the stream, which we appreciate here, that said, geez, I wish we drafted Jalen Brunson instead of Dante DiVincenzo. Now that got me to pull up the 2018 draft. And it's pretty interesting because Dante obviously went at 17, to the Bucks, then 21 was Grayson Allen. Interesting. But then if you go down, number 32 was Javon Carter and number 33 was Jalen Brunson. And if you look at the box score tonight, Javon Carter with his 19 minutes trying to do his best Tony Snell impression, zero points. He did have the one assist though. But scoreless in 19 minutes, his struggles continue offensively while Brunson just dropped 44. Uh, he's turned into a spectacular player, Jalen Brunson. And, and I have to agree with that very basic uh, comment in the stream team there. Jeez, it would be nice if the Bucks had Jalen Brunson, wouldn't it? I thought you were going to say Javon Carter turned into a pumpkin. Um, but, uh, you know, a little, little bit of both probably. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the number, I was looking at the, his splits the other day, the, the, uh, the month of November was very good to Javon, and since then it's been uh, it's been a slog. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of these things too. Like, I mean, we talked about the the upside that came from playing Javon with the starters and having him be the guy that that sort of dealt with the annoying Jalen Brunson's type defensive assignments. I mean, if Javon Carter started tonight, Drew Holiday doesn't pick up three fouls in the first seven minutes or whatever he had because you would have just told Javon, told Javon Carter to go deal with it. You know, problem of course is that Javon Carter doesn't, um, you know, have a, an obvious defensive matchup like that every night. He is small. So bigger guards can give him problems. Uh, and then obviously just, you know, when the shot abandons him as it has over the last six weeks or so, then offensively, it's just, it's just tough. And especially, uh, you know, you look at Grayson Allen, who has also struggled over the last six weeks. I mean, I'm still, Offensively, I'm still liking what what Grayson Allen. I'm still trusting Grayson Allen's shot more than than Javon Carter. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of a tough a tough spot because the other thing too is when you start Javon, then you also are kind of saying like, well, there's got to be somebody else coming off the bench, most likely. I mean, you could then kind of immediately start to stagger Javon and Drew to to only play them as point guards. 
but early in the season, George Hill was playing as well, right? So effectively, you're playing three nominal point guards every night. Obviously, George Hill. You don't have George Hill to kick around <laughs> anymore because he's not playing. So um, for better or worse, uh, I don't know. We'll see. But I, I will say this, like, you know, it, it's been funny seeing some occasional references to I've seen actually some people suggesting George Hill play ahead of Javon Carter lately, which huh. is, of course, funny because, you know, obviously last spring, I mean, last spring, you know, broken neck, George Hill obviously was not was not a positive player. He really struggled. Couldn't do anything offensively in particular against the Celtics. But um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if we, at some point, I mean, I'm sure we'll see some George Hill at some points um, this season, but certainly uh, it's been, uh, it's been very little George Hill. It's been very little Wes Matthews, which is the other thing too, right? I mean, Marjon Bochamp playing ahead of Wes Matthews has also been something that I, I wouldn't have yeah. expected, right? Um, Wes kind of tumbling down the rotation, as much as he has. And I, I, I still don't really have a sense of how much of that is them trying to preserve Wes versus that just, you know, bud and company just saying like, all right, Wes, you know what? I think you've just sort of jumped the shark, <laughs> jumped the shark in terms of productivity. Um, and again, I think some of it too is like, you know, matchup dependent. Um, but again, like, is that, is that something we're going to see in the playoffs? Like, do we eventually see Wes Matthews in the playoffs? He was obviously pretty crucial as, as part of the rotation against Boston with what he could do defensively. But right now, obviously we're, we're not seeing him most nights, uh, which again, like if that means I see Marjan Bochamp in the regular season, I'm fine with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to some extent, I mean, you can't expect West to just not play for three months and then suddenly be dusted off and like, you know, be what we saw late last season. Um, but you know, Long-term, we know where the future is, and it's with a guy like Bochamp, not, not with a guy like Wes. But, uh, again, it's just put, it's put the Bucks in an interesting position, right? Because night to night, you see, um, you know, you see and a uh, friend of the pod, uh, Van, uh, has just pointed out, you know, that, that George Hill lost a bunch of weight coming back from that that non-COVID illness. So, uh, you know, again, is, is could he start playing again once he kind of gets physically back right? I mean, maybe. Um, but, you know, we also saw him the other night. Um, what was it? Was in the Charlotte? He played in the Charlotte game. I'm trying to remember which which game it was, or maybe was it the Toronto game? I can't remember which which one. But um, but anyway, we'll see. Uh, but you know, certainly a bit, you know interesting, right? George West, and we don't even talk about Serge Ibaka, who's not even on the road trip due to personal reasons right now. Um, those guys just aren't playing, right? I mean, three veterans uh, just aren't playing, and obviously we'll see. I'm pretty sure Serge is just not going to play unless you know, obviously there's an injury, but. Um, no, no complaints about that. Uh, but we'll see how it continues to evolve, sort of how the pecking order looks, because they're going to have to make some decisions. And again, I think the Bucks' problem is not that um, the you know tenth, eleventh guys can't pl- can't play relative to tenth, eleventh guys in the league. I think they probably have pretty good like 10, 11, 12 guys. Problem is that those guys aren't much worse than the you know eight, nine, eight, nine guys or whatever you want to think about it, right? Um, so again, we'll see pending pending trades and things like that, which which could kind of shake things up a little bit at the All Star break. And I think again, if it's kind of, they continue to kind of scuffle along, like it seems impossible for John Horace not to make some move to kind of give some sort of jolt. Yeah, yeah. I think didn't, that's didn't right. we talk uh, about that the other night? Uh, we did, and people should check that out. So if you haven't listened to the trade podcast yet, make sure you mm-hmm. go back. There's an hour of podcast uh, gold. It's gold, Jerry. 
you can go back and listen to that. A uh, few comments in the stream. R.R. Smith says Carter has absolutely hit the wall face first. Now, it's interesting because I, I just quickly looked it up as you were talking because obviously the Hill and Carter stuff has been the talking point. Uh, Javon Carter has already tipped over the career high for minutes in the season and we're only halfway through. I mean, he's played a lot. I mean, he's already at 981 minutes for this season. I, I You know, we've used the 1,000-minute mark for sort of, you know, fringe rotation guys before in the past. So he's definitely played more than I expected. And he's already, uh, after tonight, he would have tipped over the 1,000-minute the mark, which is the first time he's done that in his career. And the other one with Wes Matthews is, I think it was around late December, I think, when he joined the team last year, Frank. So early, early December. Yeah, he had, yeah. Early to yeah, mid-December. He, had, he only played in 49 games last year total. He's already uh, at least appeared in 26 this year as well. So there would be some merit to the idea that they just do not need to play him every night and he's there if they need see what happens at the trade deadline um with west there and i agree anyway i mean Marjan, as we said he only played 11 minutes tonight i would have it would have been cool if that was bumped up a little bit further as well with the little things that he's doing with this team but either way again not perfect but i tell you what i'm glad that we've had this conversation tonight rather than the one i thought we were going to have as i said halfway through the third quarter because it would have been rough so I'll take the win, Frank. I'll tell you that much. Definitely. And, um, you know, the next game Wednesday against the Atlanta Hawks, who, like, just felt like such an annoying team to play the last last couple of years. Um, Clint Capella has been out, so I, uh, so Onyeko Kongu has been starting, for better or worse. Um, so, again, I guess the upside is that they don't have both of those guys to, to protect the rim against Giannis if Capella's out again on Wednesday. Uh, the downside is that, as we know, uh, Kong has been been a good defender against Giannis. So, I don't. We'll see. Ho- hopefully, that gets some sort of rise out of Giannis. We've. It, it seems like very random. I mean, like you look at some of his monster games, right? It's it's kind of feels very random. Like which teams that he's gone off against of late. Like he's the last two times he's faced the Cavs, and and obviously Allen Jared Allen didn't really play in the first game that Giannis had a monster outing against, but um, but. Obviously, he was, you know, basically going on one on one and just wrecking Jared Allen. And in the second half of of that second game, when he had over forty points, and um, you know, again, it's just seem there's just nights where Giannis doesn't matter who's out there tonight. Obviously, the Knicks get give credit. I mean, they I think defended well schematically as a team. Uh, and again, hopefully, uh, Giannis has a little bit better outing uh, on Wednesday than we've seen these last couple of games tonight. Certainly, a much better outing. Than, uh, than what we saw in Charlotte, which was just, you know, his worst game in probably a couple of years. Uh, but I, the funny part about Friday, he he hit more shots outside the restricted area on Friday than he did in his 55-point game. <laughs> the problem was he hit zero <laughs> shots inside the restricted area uh, versus 19 out of 25 in the restricted area against, um, uh, why, am I, why am I blanking, the Wizards, right, uh, that he scored 55 against. So, uh so anyway, we'll see. But yeah, if you lose this game, the first game on the trip, you know, taking a loss in this game with the way the vibes were coming out of Charlotte. Again, at the end of the day, I think someone said in the stream as well, right? I mean, these, these are human beings, you know, um, there's 82 games. The season is long. They're professionals. Yes. You got to, you know, you think it's it's fair to expect uh, them to kind of figure out ways to kind of battle through stuff. Uh, but the reality is like, guys, like, you know, <laughs> 
you got to do better than, than what we've been seeing over not just the past like week or two, but over the past six weeks or so. And, and yes, injuries are a factor, but plenty of teams are missing guys. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have Giannis, you have Drew, you have Brooke. Um, by the way, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, I don't know if he was credited for all of them, but a couple blocks on Mitchell Robinson at the rim tonight, just freaking man-sized blocks uh, uh, against Mitchell Robinson at the rim. Like just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I, I have so much confidence. Anybody going up for a dunk against, uh, against Brooke, I feel like he's going to, to stop them. And uh, it was, um, I don't know, just another clinic from him. It wasn't super consistent with his shot, had some traveling problems. Giannis and him both had problems not getting called for travels, which has been a point of emphasis for officials kind of league wide, but, um, but he hit some big threes. And uh, I also loved that play inside. I think it was the final minute there where it looked like, you know, the, um, the Knicks might, might try to foul and the Bucks were able to work the, the, the kind of work some really nice ball movement and they get Giannis going to the basket and two on one and Giannis smartly drops it off and Brooke goes for, uh, for the reverse dunk. And then he was doing his, he was doing this on the bench, kind of enjoying his own work. So shout out to, shout out to Brooke Lopez. Always a shout out to Brooke Lopez. It took me too long to give a shout out to Brooke Lopez, but, um, perpetually good vibes from Brooke Lopez, which, um, you know, I think from a locker room standpoint, you can't underrate the value of having a, you know, splash mountain on, uh, in that locker room on that roster, not just for what he does on the court, but I think also just his, his kind of presence off it all time. One of my top five NBA dudes to hang out with Brooke Lopez, uh, always in my starting five. And we love a nice little, uh, Tucked away, reverse dunk. Don't see a lot of it. So just to clinch the game on a reverse dunk, you got to be excited about that. Uh, you also have to be excited about the Game to Game podcast. Get it on your Locked On NBA feed. And it's a nice little short recap of all the games from across the league uh, on any given night. So you'll get me talking about the Bucks. You'll get the Locked On Knicks crew probably doing the reverse of what we're doing and thinking that they were having a good night till halfway through the third quarter. So check that out. Uh, that's Game to Game NBA, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. As well, uh, you mentioned the Atlanta game. Look, the Bucks ten and nine now on the road, legit five hundred team away from Fiser Forums. So hopefully, uh, they can keep uh, this. Uh, well, hopefully, they can start a winning streak, Frank. But it's always a pleasure to podcast with you. I was, uh, like I said, not only was I concerned about what we were going to talk about tonight, but I was. Just hoping you didn't ghost me tonight if things continued to go the wrong way. So I'm just, just but, thankful to, to chat to you and your Knicks t-shirt. By the way, the um, it, one of the weird things about this team this year, I mean, I think you can argue that, you know, the the East in particular, I mean, there, there's more depth to the league, I think, this year than there has been maybe in previous years. But the Bucks record versus teams above 500, best in the league, 12 and 5. They have the best winning percentage of against teams above 500 of any team in the NBA this year. Wow. Alas, their record against teams 500 or below 500, just 14 and nine. They did pick win up a win tonight against the Knicks who, uh, who are under 500. Um, but, oh no, the Knicks are above 500. Okay, cool. Um, why, why is that not? I guess they haven't updated the, I'm pretty sure that they should be 13 and five now then. Um, but anyway, um, but anyway, bottom line, yeah, just Bucks not taking care of business. I mean, I feel like that's always been a hallmark of, of Bud's Bucks teams is that they kind of, you know, beat up on the the dregs of the NBA. And, and I guess, you know, again, there are a lot of teams under 500 that are not as bad as, as maybe you 
otherwise would have would have thought of them. But we saw on Friday, Charlotte obviously <laughs> like just giving them the business despite having eleven wins and thirty losses. Um, so yeah, let's let's start winning games against teams that you should beat. And the Atlanta Hawks, nineteen and twenty-one, they have two of the Bucks losses against teams under five hundred. Let's let's can we just even the season series? Like the, the Hawks are such an annoying team. Like I really don't don't want to lose that game. And one other comment, um, my people creative in the chat, that's the screen name, my people creative, uh, said, please address the Thanasis performance on Friday, four fouls in four minutes and volume shooting. Uh, <laughs> I'll preface this by saying, uh, I love Thanasis, the human being, but I, I feel like, especially not playing NBA basketball really showed on Friday. That was like nine straight minutes of absolute comedy from Thanasis. It had pretty much everything you can do wrong on a basketball court happened. I think there were two airball threes. There was a bad flagrant foul. There were, you know, bad turnovers, four fouls. It was just like, you know, an NFL linebacker given a basketball and just set loose in garbage time of an NBA game. Um, so yeah, unfortunately that was like the most entertaining thing I think I saw in Friday's game against Charlotte. Um, I would say the days of people complaining about Giannis and, or about Thanasis maybe being a guy that could give us, you know, some, some defensive minutes or energy, whatever during non-garbage time. I think those days are, are long past, but um we did get uh, a little bit of an unintentional comedy show on Friday. So I, I saved this for the la the end of a very long podcast so that we didn't inflame our friends in Greece too much. Um, Kane, I know you're already looking at me like, oh man, people are going to be complaining about Frank saying anything bad about the NASA's, but like, let's be honest guys, that was just, that was awful. <laughs> so anyway, more fun to talk about that after a lot, after a win than, uh, than a loss Kane. So I'll just leave that there. It was a tough stretch and <laughs> it was, it was already not a great night. So was, yeah. Anyway, we'll forget about that Charlotte. That's one game. I tell you what, that Charlotte game is one. I, if you could erase a few things from your memory, that would be one I would completely get eviscerated from my brain because that is not something uh, I want to think about ever again. That was just a disaster. All right, let's wrap it up. Shout out to everyone that jumped in the stream as always. Uh, people uh, enjoying these live streams. We get some good feedback and great conversation. And everyone's starting to chat with each other as well, which is what we love. The Locked On Bucks community getting into it. We try and pull up the comments as they come through, but um, we're talking so much rubbish. Sometimes we miss some of them, but it's good to see everyone jumping in, seeing lots of familiar names. So we appreciate it. If you haven't done it, go to YouTube, uh, hit the bell, subscribe, uh, and we'll keep doing these live podcasts. And hopefully we have plenty more to do after wins. So as we said, Bucks beat the Knicks, Bucks and Hawks up next. Uh, hopefully we're going to get a live win to talk about. We'll catch you all tomorrow.